1: For you. Wait a minute. That guy on the grassy knoll's got a gun. He's gonna shoot the president. Holy smokes, I've
2: gotta do something. Alright, Lee. Time to become an American hero.
1: DarkMyths.org And Media Group
0: Proudly present to you The Lone Gunman Podcast, featuring your host, Rob Clark,
1: where research comes to shine, and myths come to die. Stay tuned, be right there.
0: One of the most compelling pieces of evidence linking Johnson with the assassination is through his henchman, Malcolm Wallace, the convicted killer of Douglas Kinzer. In the hours following the assassination, on the sixth floor of the Texas School Book Depository Building by the southeast corner window, the Dallas police discovered an unidentified fingerprint. Nathan Darby is one of the most experienced fingerprint experts in the United States with 35 years service in the US military and the city of Austin Police Department. I didn't know where it came from and oh, a week or ten days later I called the party and, that had brought it over and said well it's a match. The finger that made the ink print also made the latent and we called that a match or identified and there was no question about it. it, it they matched. When well, he was done. He had a 34-point match. That's a slam dunk. It can't miss. It doesn't get any better than that. You, you give me a 34-point match on any case in the United States, I'll take it to court and win. The inked and the latent print was Malcolm Wallace's left little finger, without a reasonable doubt. I don't know why they couldn't say or say that the thing didn't match. It did match. There's no question about it. I, 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 My experience. I've just had too much experience. I know what I'm talking about. I'm positive. No question about it. My dying decoration, if I was to drop dead right now, they match.
1: What's up, everybody, and welcome to the show. This is the Lone Gummen Podcast, episode number one, two, seven got a great show for you today and we're celebrating something here today and whenever i celebrate something i always like to invite an old friend of mine because we started this thing together that's right folks the inevitable doug campbell joins me the host of the dallas action podcast how are you doing doug
2: Hello, my friend Rob. What's up, buddy? What's up? Okay, a milestone it is. And let me be the first to uh congratulate you on that awesome milestone. It's a very cool thing. It's
1: yes. A very cool thing. Thank you. Thank you very much. And uh what we're celebrating here is a hundred thousand downloads and listens to the Lone Gummin podcast. And it wasn't very long, Doug, that we were just celebrating fifty thousand here, you know, a couple months ago. So I don't know what the hell is going on. But...
2: It was like back in May.
1: Yeah yeah i mean that's like it took us it took me you know almost two years to get to fifty thousand, <laughs> and then it, in like well, here's, six months we here's,
2: I, 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 here's how i look at it with uh, as far as my show goes that if people thought they were going to get the same old thing they wouldn't keep coming back and listening, and that's a good thing and that that that, that speaks volumes i think about about your show absolutely if yeah, if people are going to get the same old thing over and over again, or they thought they would, they wouldn't. They wouldn't come back. I'm that way, and I yeah. listen to a lot of, you know, I'm a, I'm a podcast listener, um, you know, to a bunch of them across the board and uh, different subjects. And uh, it's going to be the same old thing. I'm not going to go back, you know.
1: Yeah, well, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to title this one something different because actually, this episode is going to be a little bit of the same old thing that we talked about last week, but. We're going to bring up a, a different view because, of course, last week, Doug, I had on Fred James, who is of the Lone Nut Persuasion. So, and
2: recently of the Lone Nut Persuasion, if I, if I understand correctly.
1: That is correctly, within the past couple years. Uh, he is a, a recent convert to the dark side. Um, just kidding, Fred, if you're listening out there. Um, but no, seriously, now, the only reason I had Fred on my show is because he had done some good research and brought up some good points about the babushka lady, or... Alleged Babushka Lady Beverly Oliver. And whatever side of the fence you might be on, whether you're on the Lone Nut side or you're on the conspiracy side, it's it's you know it's it does the, it does really no good to to you know muddy the waters with these people like Judith Baker and Beverly Oliver, who look whether we like it or not, people lap this stuff up, people believe them That's why she's still at conferences. OK, she's doing two conferences this year and she's a conference rat. She, she She's at every conference or at some conference every year, you know, or at least one of them, if not both. Um, you know, apparently from people that have met her in person, she seems to be a very genuine, nice person. But as Doug can tell you, we met Judith Baker in person. She seems to be a very nice person in person, uh, very congenial. But <laughs> nothing she says is true, which is applies also to what we're saying here about Beverly Oliver. Um,
2: you know, she is a really nice, uh, nice lady. She's yeah. a baker. She's very polite, very, uh, uh, very sweet. She, uh, I think the, night, the the night you and I met her at the conference, uh, she, she signed a, uh, a, a a book, gave me a book and drew a picture of me like a little doodle, like a little, uh, uh,
1: well, that's not hard to do. Like draw. That's not hard to draw a little stick figure with long hair. <laughs> I mean,
2: oh, no, 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 no. <laughs> it's, it's pretty easy. Yeah, you just draw. You just draw an upside down mop and roll with it. You know. Yeah.
1: Well, it's you got, like got how some. Go. You got some free Judith Baker art.
2: Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. And I, I have it in a book. I do.
1: Yeah, and and of course the show last week spurned. All kinds of discussion online. I mean, I've been attacked from both sides of the fence. You know, people that are pissed off just because I had Fred on the show. People that are pissed off because I'm 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 down in the Beverly Oliver's claims. Um, I'm catching it from both sides. But you know, I I I don't know how much simpler to put this. You know, if if people need to hold these folks a little bit more accountable when it comes to so-called evidence. And when you make a lot of claims like this, and believe me, her she, what Beverly Oliver's story has done over the years has changed and has grown much like Madeline Brown's attendees to the Murchison party. You know what I'm saying?
2: <laughs> yeah, you th- you're talking about like with Ruby's Club. Yeah, 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 yeah. That's that's true. I uh, I don't know, man. I've got kind of a different view on on Beverly Oliver and her um, her claims. I, um, I kind of wonder why, um, you know, I don't know if she could have been the Babushka lady and she might not have been the Babushka lady. You know, I don't know. I, I, I don't know. I know that you got to start with credibility and, um, you know, well, well, is this person believable? And when she showed the Knicks film, that's the one red flag for me yeah. and said, hey, look, here's my long lost film. And, you know, who among us doesn't know the Knicks film on site, you know?
1: Yeah, I mean, it's, it's and, a, a very unique film from a unique perspective. And well, like Fred said, you know, they, they had stabilized the film and straightened it up. But and and change the aspect ratio a little bit to heighten to heighten you know to heighten the film to give it a different aspect ratio, but still very identifiable at least the first time I saw it as the next film.
2: Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah 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 yeah. And um, you know it's uh, I talk I actually talked to uh, the other day I was talking to Gail Nick, Gail Nick Jackson and um, this came up. And she gave me the name. It was some uh, European journalist brought the film to Beverly Oliver and said, "Hey, look, I found your film." <laughs> and she turns out to be the next film. She just kind of dropped it out. And uh, apparently, uh, from what I understand from Gail, and said, "Look, here's my film." And and, and she had a public viewing. And Gail told me that that she con- she confronted Beverly Oliver. Hey, what's going on? Why are you showing my grandfather's film? And, Claiming it's yours, and she said, "Well, it is mine." And uh, Gail said, "No, it's not. It's the next film." And, and Beverly Oliver said, "Well, he told me it was mine." <laughs> and, you know, Gail. Uh, uh, she she made the point with me that, um, well, who's not going to recognize the film they shot? And 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 my point was m- more importantly, with with this crowd. Who did they think they were going to fool? Yeah. You know, it's, it's, whether, whether or not she did fall for it, whether or not he hornswoggled her is not the point. Somebody wanted to fool somebody and, and, and were they really that dim to think that was going to fool this crowd? You know, I, and, and when it comes to believe their story about I saw Oswald at Ruby's thing and I'm the Babuska lady and this and that, you know, it's like a Brian Williams thing. You know, um, he was a respected uh, news anchor until he got caught in that big lie, and that's why he's no longer that news anchor because all of his credibility went out the window because he got caught in a big, giant, honking, and lie. And, you know, look at Dan Rather, um, the, 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 the presidential election where he got caught reporting fake documents that pertain to George W. Bush's National Guard Service, right Texas mm-hmm. Air Guard Service or something like that. there were fake documents. And he got busted and his excuse was, well, we knew they were fake, but we, in our minds, the stuff that was in them reflected what we believed to be the truth. Right. And I'm going, do what? And that's kind of the same thing as well. This European guy I've never met told me it's the film I shot. And where's Dan Rather today? Well, the last I saw, I saw a big commercial for his, his upcoming TV show. It's his big exclusive interview on the We Network with Michael Buble. That's where Dan Rather is <laughs> today. Because he got caught in a big stinking hawk and lie. And that's kind of the way... I am with Beverly Oliver. Did you see the babushka lady? I don't know. But, you know, as far as Oswald being seen in Ruby's club, um, I do believe in the possibility, the absolute, absolute 100% possibility that Oswald and Ruby knew each other. I'm just not going to take her word for it. I'll get that confirmation to my own satisfaction from somebody else because no matter whether or not she's the babushka lady uh, uh, her she doesn't have the uh, legitimacy anymore because she got caught in a big honking, stinking lie
1: yeah and I mean these... so
2: it's just like dismissed you know because <laughs> whether or not she was the babushka lady and whether or not she saw oh my god who was it Lee Oswald, David Ferry Clay Shaw Dean Andrews, Lyndon Johnson, Jacqueline Kennedy, uh, uh, Governor Connolly, <laughs> Frank Sinatra, and Ruth Buzzy—all in the in, in the club doesn't matter. In Ruth, the end. Ruth Buzzy. I'll get I'll get that confirmation from a more credible source, but you know, you know, yeah, do I mean, your thing.
1: It's our know it's it's one thing. You know, I mean, there's two giant claims when it comes to her. It's one thing to say, OK, I'm the babushka lady. I was the lady standing here who was taking a film that had it taken from me. You know, that's a that's a huge claim. You know, that's an eyewitness. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? But then to be that woman and also a woman who just happened to work next door at the Carousel Club, who just happened to meet Lee Oswald two weeks before the assassination in the company of Jack, Jack Ruby. You know, And to say that you've seen Dean Andrews, Guy Bannister, David Ferry, Emilio Santana, Jack Lawrence, all in the Carousel Club, yet nobody else, and I mean nobody else, ever nobody saw else. any of these guys, including Oswald. People thought they saw Oswald, but you know who they saw? They were seeing Larry Crayford, because he looked like Oswald, and he was employed by Jack Ruby at the Carousel Club. But that's a whole different story. Nobody met none of these people in the Carousel Club except for Beverly Oliver. And now look, I I got hit blindsided by one researcher in particular, Bill Kelly. He writes the JFK Counter Coup blog online. Yeah,
2: (laughs) yeah. That guy, um, um, Bill Kelly, is this the same one? Yeah, the Counter Coup and Counter Coup 2 blog.
1: Yes. Hey, you know.
2: I'm, I'll tell you this, um, Bill Kelly. I, I do know who you're talking about. He, I, um, those those blogs. Um, you know, you know how focused my own personal studies are on Army Intelligence and the assassination. Yeah. Uh, you know this. Yeah.
1: Um,
2: it, it's a big part of what I think about, and uh, his two blogs. Uh, it a it, wellspring of awesome information on the 488th Reserve and the 112th uh, Army Intelligence Groups there in Texas and Louisiana. Uh, it's a, I use I, I, this is a website a lot. Yeah, I know what you're talking about. You know, I uh, I sent him an email like the first year after you and I started, mm-hmm. uh, you know, and him on the show to talk about some of this Army Intelligence stuff, and he never responded. Oh, um,
1: big shock. And you.
2: then, I don't yeah, I don't know. Um uh, earlier this year when he announced his Kappa organization. I sent him another email inviting him to come on and talk to Army Intelligence and, uh, you know, pimp the Kappa thing. But I never got a response hmm. um, there either, which, uh, you know, that, hey, that's cool, man. Um, there are really nice guys, like, there are really, really nice guys named uh, Brown, Simpich, and Hancock, Um that are usually just uh anytime i give them a call man they're ready to come on and on the dallas action podcast and talk assassination with me so that's cool man you
1: know know, yeah you know and like you i've been looking at this reading his blog for for many years and and you Mm -hmm. know i always thought it was very good work you know never a complaint never uh you know and i thought about asking him to come on the show but i i Something in the back of my head probably told me that you know this guy is not gonna do that, and you know he's fairly recent to Facebook you know within the past couple of years, uh, at least being active in any j f k kind of realm um but boy, he really dug into me about about this thing 'cause apparently he's sitting on really? some, apparently he's sitting on some kind of information. That really makes him believe that Beverly Oliver was the babushka lady and that her story is legit. But yet he won't say what it is. He's Apparently he's writing a book and it will be in this book. So I guess, Doug, we'll just have to wait for the book. And I asked him, interestingly enough, I asked Bill Kelly, I said, just out of curiosity, Bill, I said, do you believe uh, Judith Baker and James Fowles and Chauncey Holt and all those characters too? Oh, no. No, 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 their stories are ridiculous. Well, how is, you know, how is I, um, any different than any of these other stories that are fantastic stories with no, absolutely zero evidence whatsoever to back them up? You know, he, he he said, well, look who she was married to after the assassination. I was like, well, what does that have to do with anything about whether or not she's credible? Who she married to? She got married to some guy, some mobster guy, who used to beat her and treat oh. her like shit. But what does that have See, to do I'm not,
2: with anything? Uh, I'm, I'm, not all, I'm not at all bad with the mafia-centric um, 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 theories, you know, that the mafia did it or the mafia was involved. I, and, and, you know, uh, we I just brought him up a minute ago, Walt Brown. Um, and he told me one time, he said, you know, uh, think about this. He said, uh, let's say the mafia did do it. Um, well, who's the second most important public official they ever killed? Can anybody name me that and got away with? Hmm. You know, it, 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 it's like he says, it would be some sheriff somewhere in some podunk town that busted their pinball machines up there in the back of the laundromat.
1: Yeah, if, if, you know, if, and, if the mafia did it, it, they would have been subcontracted to hit by somebody like the Central Intelligence Agency. You know what I'm saying? Here's
2: what. Well, with the mafia, I, I, I've i always thought this about that. And that is that if anybody that knows anything about the mafia knows that the first and foremost rule is um, don't do anything that's going to bring up the heat, right? Right?
1: Yeah, I mean, they didn't enjoy getting, getting hauled into Congress by don't Robert
2: Don't Can you imagine? if something goes wrong and they don't kill him, how much heat that would have brought? Well, yeah. You know? <clears throat>
1: they would... I,
2: I, you know I just don't buy it. I, I, I never have, you know? I and never and have. And there was a book that was written about um, the mafia, was it Ultimate Sacrifice? Is that the name of the book yeah. I'm thinking? Yeah, yeah. Um, it was kind of uh, this... Um, I didn't get very far into that book, man. I'll tell you. That was, that was
1: a few years ago, but it was... Um, oh, boy. Yeah, well, there's not, been a few books over the years. Not
2: one to recommend.
1: And, of course, you know, that's who the HSCA wanted to pin it on, or, or Robert Blakey wanted to pin it on, I should say. But, you know, once again, we need proof. I mean, you can blame it on whoever you want all day long, but... You need some kind of evidence, some kind of real proof in, in an alleged Carlos Marcello jailhouse confession to another inmate.
2: There again, alleged, uh, you know. There again, hey Rob, I found uh, I found this. Look here, I found on uh, for the listeners. Uh, I, what I've done here is I've gone into my CD ROM. My Dr. Walt Brown's 36,000 page 64 volume, um, analytical chronology of the assassination. And I'm on page 1248 of the index. Oliver Beverly. Well, let's see what Dr. Walt says about her here. 1946, since 1970. She has made the claim that she was the woman in Dealey Plaza wearing the babushka to conceal her identity. She co published this story in 1994 with Coke Buchanan. I supported her statement at the time of publication, but since that time, she has, quote, unquote, recognized far, far too many people as having been in Ruby's care somewhere. So that's what Dr. Walt Brown uh, has to say about that. So he's um, a rational
1: thinker, you know. But like I said, you know, a lot of these people fool people when they first come out and claim to have been there, claim to have known this person, claim to have seen this, claim to this, claim to that. You know, they come out and they fool a lot of people who want to believe them. But then when you start to take a closer look at them, you know, it just starts to fall apart.
2: You know, that was kind of the theme in a way, you know. What you want to believe or, or are trying to figure out what to believe in uh, this past episode of the Dallas Action, uh, <clears throat> part 95, uh, the strange tale of Robert Croft and, and other Dean Plaza stories. And, it, you know, the point was we went through a lot of, you know, a lot of stuff that uh, lesser known sort of eyewitness accounts and, uh, you know, figuring out what to believe and what not to believe. What sits well with your good individually, and what doesn't? It's not an easy task. That—that's the hard part. Figuring out what's—you know. Well, again, I'm going to reference Walt Brown again. You know, he—he uh, told me one time, you got to—you got to know, you got to read the wingnut stuff to know the good stuff from the wingnut stuff. Right.
1: Yeah, I mean that's a good analogy for sure.
2: Mm-hmm. Well, I tell you what I did. I. It was listed here. It said page 897 of book one. So I've loaded book one up here, and I've went to the Beverly June Oliver messagey entry. You want to see what it says here, Rob? Yeah. Um, it said... Um, Beverly Oliver's, here's another that hit, a lot of biographical info says so Beverly Oliver's credibility has weakened in the dozen plus years since the co authorship with co- Buchanan of Nightmare in Dallas. Many, many questions have been put to her about whether or not individuals were known to Jack Ruby or to the soft underbelly of Dallas in general. And too many times she has suddenly recalled that so and so, oh yeah, he used to be in Jack's club all the time. <laughs> so uh yeah like you were saying uh uh too many people showing up there um you know another guy that's got i I know too many folks in DD plaza syndrome is james files that is that orders on a monkey python routine that is so ridiculous well yeah That, that interview he gives it on youtube you know the jailhouse interview and the guys going, who else did you see? And you can you can watch the guy's little little beady eyeballs shift back and forth while he's thinking and just snatching names out of the air. You know, David Adley Phillips, Orlando Bosch. You know, Jack Ruby. Saw Curtis Lemay there. I saw yeah, I saw General Lemay. I was I was only nineteen and I was a carjacker from Alabama who lived in Chicago. But yeah, I knew Curtis Lemay by sight. Yeah, come
1: on. <laughs> Well, you know what else I got lambasted for is, is God forbid I was bad mouthing, you know, the quote, great first generation researcher Gary Shaw. And now he's the guy who allegedly met Beverly Oliver in 1970 when he happened yeah. to be looking for her and she happened to be wanting to tell her story. Now, the odds of that happening of a researcher looking for the babushka lady and actually meeting her in a church and by accident, pure accident and finding her, I would say there's are lottery esque type of odds, like one in a million, probably greater than that.
2: Yeah. That's, you know, you know, what that reminds me of, that reminds me of that story. Uh, uh, you know, I walked into the office and just, I walk into the post office and told this random guy, excuse me, in Russian, and he spoke back in Russian.
1: Yeah. You know? Yeah. I mean, I, uh, I, I imagine the conversation going a little something like this. Maybe they did meet each other. Maybe. I mean, we know Beverly Oliver worked at the Colony Club next door to Carousel. That's not under, under debate. I mean, it's that, okay. I can believe that. Just like Judy worked at Riley Coffee. Okay. Um, But then from this springs a whole wellspring of other things. And now Gary Shaw, if if folks remember correctly, was involved in this whole, not Ricky White, Roscoe White uh, fiasco back in the seventies, when he allegedly talked to Roscoe White's uh, minister, who said, you know, that his Roscoe White gave his deathbed confession of everything he'd been took a part of, and that he had all these pictures, he had these cables you know where he was mandarin and there was a saw yeah i was
2: gonna say is this the
1: mandarin thing yes this is the mandarin thing gary shaw was behind that yeah, too yeah uh, and what's most interesting is of course, a little more bad into that code name there pal you know yeah well, no, maybe, Beverly Oliver. maybe they thought, maybe, they, maybe they were writing the
2: the, the diary and, and and the chinese buffet or something <laughs> you know what are we gonna call
1: him well, you know, apparently his notebooks were stolen by the FBI and never given back and this Oh that, yes yeah, sir. Or, yes sir. Yeah. And guess who you know Beverly Oliver saw on the grassy knoll as she crossed the street that dresses a babushkali? She sees Roscoe White on the grassy knoll. Now isn't that just a coincidence? That- you know
2: what that's uh <laughs> you mentioned something there, man. Disappearing evidence. Yeah. You know, um uh I, I, it's, it's like the whole, uh, think like Richard Case Nagel, you know, um, for all of the promise and tantalizing detail that was, that, that was in that book, it, 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 it just, uh, Richard, Richard Case Nagel never produced a thing. And, uh, these tapes and these, uh, Records that he supposedly had stored away—that uh, you know were going to be so revelatory in the end—they—they they, we never saw them.
1: No, we never and, saw them. And, uh. Yeah, I did a show with Carmine about that a couple of weeks ago, and just to follow up a little bit on that, I had asked folks about the ID that was allegedly uh, found in in Miguel's trunk. It was a, it was a photocopy of an Oswald Selective Service card with his picture on it, but with it wasn't Lee Oswald's signature. And I said, right. no. okay, well, if he has a picture of an Oswald identification in his trunk before hey, the hey, assassination. Let me, let me
2: interrupt you. Let yeah. me interrupt you real quick. You don't know, yeah. have to remind me of, 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 of long-term podcast shows, pal. I listen <laughs> religiously. I know you do. Religiously. As a matter of fact, when I got into the podcast game with you, yours was, in fact, the very first podcast I ever officially followed (laughs) my boy Rob Clark. Well, I'm rechapping for the
1: listeners, you know what I'm saying? Because some people might not have heard that show. Well, well, yeah,
2: that's exactly right. you got to do that kind of thing. Absolutely. But I, 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 I digress. Pray tell, continue.
1: Well, you know, I was asking if anybody knew anything about this identification, you know, that was supposedly found in the trunk. Because... If Niguel had this identification in his trunk when he was arrested at the bank before the assassination, then that's something. That's a big something. Um, right, right. And the best I could tell, nobody seems to know where this thing came from. Apparently, Dick Russell said that it was returned to Niguel when he got out of prison, and it was among his belongings that was given back to him. And, wait
2: a minute, wait a minute. Yeah. I, 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 now I'm, I'm you're, you're triggering something, um, and I'm thinking, wasn't it found in somebody's archive?
1: Bud Finsterwald. Another archive. Bud Finsterwald.
2: That's exactly right. Like in the late seventies or, 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 or early
1: eighties. Yeah.
2: I don't know when, but yeah, I remember. I, I think I remember. You're exactly right. It was found. Somebody found it. Now, who found it in Finsterwald's? Uh, well, Dick
1: archive. Russell. Dick Russell found it there. But nobody uh-huh. seems to know where Bud Fensterwald got it from, unless he got it directly from Nagel. But there is, and it, it was
2: just filed. It was just filed away in the uh, in the uh, in the uh, archives
1: there. Yeah, what he said was there was the, the 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 list of items returned to Nagel upon his release from prison was incomplete. It didn't include everything that was given back to him. That was the official explanation. So once again, another mystery. But. In the end, it leads us nowhere because we can't prove for a fact that that this photocopy was in Nigel's possession. You know, before the assassination, it's clear yeah. that it's some kind of a fake. But you know, just don't know what, the, where the hell but, it came but from. But who,
2: what, with, the who, what, when, where behind the fake is, is? Nobody, nobody seems to be able to. Uh, so, that, in other words, at, at, at Bud Sinister Walt's archives, the trail kind of goes completely cold right there.
1: Right. And, you know, like, like, you know, like it's so out of the ordinary or so out of the realm of possibility. Let me put it like this. Okay. Because we see it happening now with the the Oswald Innocence Campaign and all these guys that are trying to make a name for themselves, become, you know, notorious and famous for trying to finally solving the case and putting Oswald out on the front steps in the doorway in the auctions, because it was this it was that it was a skin mask over this and this guy was obscured and they moved this guy over here and you know just just stop because it's not an the possibility for researchers not to be a totally 100 percent honest when it be, when it comes to hey i have an idea beverly you know you were yeah. there okay i'm looking for this woman she hasn't come by if you pretend to be this woman you know, we can get a book deal. We could get a movie deal. You know, we could this, we could that. Hey,
2: man, you know, uh, it, it, it happens.
1: Right. It you happens.
2: Know, I'm, a, I'm a firm believer in. I, now, I'm not saying it happened in Beverly, Beverly Oliver's case because, again, as I've previously stated, uh, parenthetically, to anyone who might want to get caught up in any. Party righteous indignation over something I might say about Beverly Oliver. Close parentheses. That it happens. I firmly believe that James Files is a guy who was given a shit ton. Of, oh, excuse my language. Am I allowed to cuss on the Montgomery podcast?
1: You most certainly are.
2: Okay, because I'm not, <laughs> oh, okay, I'm not allowed to mine. Okay, uh, because I'm not allowed uh, to mine. Okay. But, yeah, you know, uh, 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 he was given a lot of study material, and he studied well. And uh, he was encouraged to do what he's done Um, again. But now, whether or not Beverly Oliver was, in fact, the babushka lady, I do not know, because, quite frankly, uh, I've never studied it that hard. And the reason I've never studied it that hard Is because whether or not she was standing there, absent the film. Now, if she could produce the real film, there's no telling what that film shows. Oh, my God. You know?
1: Yeah.
2: Yeah. Uh, Talk about a, a potential smoking gun. It would be different. But as it stands now, whether or not she was standing there, whether or not she saw Oswald in Ruby's Club is really, quite frankly, as it as it relates to my personal studies, completely inconsequential because whether or not she was standing there is not going to get me any closer to figuring out who had the who had the, the rifles in their hands and who put the rifles in their hands. Right. It doesn't make any bit of of, of, of difference whether or not uh she is or she's not. So if she is, God bless her. If she's not, that's okay, too. It's not going to piss me off because I really – it's not something to
1: think about. Yeah, I just don't like being lambasted for suggesting that you know there's a possibility that this whole thing could be a hoax perpetrated by a so-called respected researcher. It's not out of the realm of responsibility. Well, if he's asking me to believe her at face value with zero proof and he's the one that produced her and lit, unleashed her onto the research community, you know, then it's my right to question him. You know what I'm saying? Like That's
2: exactly right. That's exactly right. But I think, uh, I don't know, man, when you start, uh, when you start questioning people with, uh, you know, alleged witnesses with book deals and folks that, <laughs> um, you know, folks that will – will go to bat form in a, in a passionate way. You know, I'm trying to avoid using the word followers, but you know what I'm
1: well, know trying what you to mean. say? And,
2: and you're, you're, when you're when you start, <clears throat> it, it's one thing to speculate on the events of the assassination. It's another thing to doubt folks who have a vested interest in what I call the conspiracy industrial complex. And believe me, folks, that's a real thing.
1: You're damn right.
2: That, that thing is alive and well. The Conspiracy Industrial Complex, uh, and it's a money-making machine for some. Yes. And when you start questioning um, you know, certain load-bearing walls of, of, of that structure, well, then, yeah, you're going to get land-based and called out. Absolutely.
1: Yeah, and conference rats and mainstays, and here we are. 22 well, years later like, you know, after her book comes out and she's still going she's at every every year she's at these conferences and talking and giving interviews you know she was a, a consultant on the oliver stone film she was interviewed by the hsca hey, for Christ's sakes i mean you know what
2: man and, and my <laughs> attitude is god bless her you know um if she was really the bushka ladies and uh Girl, you do your thing, and if not, you know what, continue to do your thing because, um, you know, I'm studying primary resource documents and um, thinking about other things that, in my view, are much more important, consequential, and and, and will bear more on what we need to try to figure out,
1: I guess, is what I'm trying to say. Yeah. Yeah. So enough.
2: enough
1: yeah, I mean enough. All right, enough about Beverly Oliver. Enough about this so-called Babushka lady. Because if 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 you're in the camp where you want to believe her, and you want to parrot her, and you want to put her on a pedestal, you go right ahead. But before you do, I would encourage you to do a little research and a little objective uh, consideration. Um,
2: yes, and if you happen to be. In one of the, and this is uh, to the listeners: if you happen to be uh, messing around in, in in certain Facebook forums, and um, you see that person that claims that the Babushka lady was Dorothy Hunt, wife of E. Howard, just block that person, please. It'll save you so much trouble <laughs> in <your> life. <laughs>
1: yes, yes. Now, yes. Now, of course, last week, you know, people don't like it when I have lone nutters on the show, but you know yeah. what? I mean, th- th- look. There's some out there that you can talk to, and there's some out there that you can't talk to. And there's that short—the ones you can talk to. There's a very short list that I will even bother with, because nine times out of ten, they're nasty, they're dismissive, and yeah. they, don't, they produce zero anything except bungliosis quotes. Give, I and
2: give one guy, <laughs> one one individual on. Um, on that side of the fence that I have, you know, over the old interwebs, had um, numerous pleasant exchanges with, and that's um, a guy named Steve Rowe. I don't know if you're familiar with him.
1: Yes, he's been on the show. Uh, he's uh,
2: Oh, twice. He? That must have been a while ago, though.
1: Yeah, twice. Um,
2: how long has how long it been, though?
1: It's probably been a year or so.
2: Yeah, see, man, I get that thing where people go, hey, you remember in Part 57 when you I, – no, I do not. Uh-uh, no, sorry.
1: <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. You know, I had him back on a while back to talk about the mysterious package. Um,
2: yeah, yeah. Well, no, no, he's a he's a very pleasant guy.
1: And he does uh, research. Um, he does actual research.
2: Well, you know, when I first – when we first got into this thing, man, and, and it was only a few months before we started doing the podcast thing that I, that I dipped my toes in the uh, waters that are the JFK quote-unquote research community on social media. And, um, yeah, man, it's it's almost immediately at a nasty exchange with these people, just, just immediately, you know, and it's
1: like yeah. – yeah, and it, you know, talking to these guys like like Steve, who was a conspiracy guy, and Fred, who was a conspiracy guy as well. I think some of the, I think the turn comes from frustration, frustration from being able to figure out what the hell really happened, and nothing seems to make sense except for you know what, you know what makes sense if Oswald did it. That's what makes sense, and then everything gets shifted in their mind to okay, now this is what they're going to believe. Now they're looking at everything through the lens of well, if Oswald did it, you know, this, that, and the other.
2: I have a hard time understanding that paradigm shift in an individual's thinking from conspiracy to Oswald did it to the Warren Commission was right. I mean, and, and essentially that's what that's what they're saying, and um. I I can understand the paradigm shift in the other direction. You know, like, well, I always thought Oswald did it, and then you, you know, somebody on our side of the fence presents some evidence and go, oh, wow, and change that way. But I don't understand. I have a hard time comprehending that.
1: (laughs) Yeah, because of all the things on the conspiracy side of things that you can question or put into some kind of a a doubt, I mean, for somebody to just – Cause for me, it takes one thing, man. It takes one doubt, one thing to call into question, one thing to, to contradict something else, one thing could make this whole thing a conspiracy. You know, one one little small little piece of the puzzle, and that's it. It changes it. It changes everything else. You know, and and calls into question everything else. So I, and they no, just dismiss listened, it all um, out of hand.
2: I listened to your. Um to your show last week um, with your guest, and um, I listened to the uh, the arguments for the single bullet theory, and I, I don't I don't understand how that makes sense to people.
1: Right, and and you're I not alone. You're not alone. Uh. Look, I got a lot of flack for for letting him even talk about three ninety nine because. We can't prove the provenance of it. it. You know, it came off this stretcher, and, you know, here we go. It's a, it's a magic a Oh, can't
2: bullet. prove? Oh, I can prove.
1: <laughs> Would you like me to prove? Please do. The floor is yours.
2: Here's what people uh, people that, that, that will uh, that will promote, that are proponents of the single bullet theory. It's not that they forget this. It's that, it's that they don't. They simply don't know. Um, they <laughs> they just don't know. <laughs> um, and a lot of people on our side of the fence are not aware of this either. <clears throat> and if we could just get people to read it, 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 would, it would be like, uh, oh, okay, well, that's BS. We won't think about that anymore. Because what we've got in, in, in 77 or 78, um, during the House Select Committee on Assassinations hearings, testimony, the FBI sent a special agent of the FBI, a ballistics expert by the name of Yates, up to Capitol Hill to testify to the House Select Committee on assassination on the ballistics investigation as you know aspect of the investigation as it pertained to the to the rifle and to the bullets. All right. And I want everybody to know that this is, in black and white, sworn, hands on a Bible, sworn testimony of the FBI's ballistics experts that they sent to Capitol Hill. In his testimony, this guy makes two, two statements that to me are absolutely blockbuster that just simply nobody knows about. Rob knows what I'm talking about. He makes two statements. One statement he makes, one phrase he uses. They asked him about the ballistics tests that he ran on 399, CE 399, the magic bullet. He also reexamined The test bullets from 2766, the Manliker Carcano rifle, that the FBI fired, the test bullets in 1964, and they themselves, he himself, fired some test bullets from it in 77. So he's testifying under oath to the House Select Committee on Assassinations, and they ask him about that, and he makes this statement. There were Significant differences in the lands and grooves on CE 399 and the two sets of FBI test bullets. Okay. Rob, let's break this down. Okay. Break it down. Significant. Guys, we're going to go back to third grade grammar. <laughs> the phrase "significant differences" that means they were significantly different,
1: as in not the same.
2: Not the same. And here's see. Here's the thing. Do you remember, as a youth, Rob watching the television children's uh, educational television children show Sesame Street?
1: Loved it. Loved it.
2: Do you know that Sesame Street taught every one of us? At a very young age, the basics of ballistics comparison, and it goes like this. One of these things is not like the other thing. One of these things just doesn't belong. And in that little refrain, you have ballistics 101. There are significant differences between that bullet and these two test bullets. Now, that was phrase number one that he used. Phrase number two that he used under oath. He admitted to the House Select Committee on Assassinations that he was unable to tie CE-399 to 2766 conclusively to the exclusion of all other rifle barrels. And I don't care what kind of acrobatics you think that bullet was capable of once it left that rifle barrel because the FBI told me under oath that they can't prove that that bullet had ever been in that barrel to begin with beyond a reasonable doubt. And ladies and gentlemen, at that point, that ballistics comparison, if we Oswald wins to go to trial, becomes a defense exhibit. Yep. And it's as simple as that. So you can use trajectory, uh, 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 you can use trajectory, path, Geometry, trigonometry, zoology, numerology, cryptozoology, whatever kind of you want you want to use, it doesn't matter because the FBI says, I can't prove that that bullet conclusively was fired through that barrel and only that barrel. So you're, 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 you're you know, Kevin Costner with his wood pointer thingy argument, even on the conspiracy side is a moot argument. In, in, in my opinion. To even argue that the bullet could not do what Arlen Specter said it could do is a waste of your breath because of what this Yates guy said under oath. That's the only argument you need. Significant differences.
1: Yeah, and, and post, post, could not, Could that...
2: not, to the exclusion of all other rifle barrels. That is a defense attorney's wet dream, baby.
1: Yeah, and, and posting that uh, little bit from the HSCA report got me kicked out of a uh, a JFK Facebook group ran by lone nutters. They as soon as I posted that,
2: well, I was they, out. well, they well, no wonder, no damn wonder. And I want to I want to shout it on high myself, ladies and gentlemen, that the man that pointed this testimony out to me and. Um, was Rob Clark, and and I used this about the exact same argument on my show two or three times, and on Black Op Radio a couple of years ago. But um, but yeah, and, and I got it from Rob. Rob found it. Um, but it, it it's like, of course, because now they know. Well, <laughs> here's the evidence. The FBI guy saying. Don't ask me to tell you that that, that, that bullet traveled down that barrel. Oh, uh-uh, not me. I'm under oath. I'm not going to do it. You're not going to get that from me, is basically what he did in his testimony. Because uh, he knew they didn't want to hear that either.
1: Yeah, well, you I, know? Think, didn't, uh, I think Trish Fleming has pointed out, the HSCA, when they when they got a hold of the gun, it was barely capable of even firing a bullet because of, of how rusty it
2: right. was. it Him or the Warren Commission that had to shim up the scope to get it to to well, to align it with shims.
1: The Warren Commission, yeah. But also the barrel was rusty yeah. as hell.
2: Well well, oh yeah, yeah. But here's the thing about the here's another thing about the rifle. That um it's another common sense thing though, Rob. It's pure common sense. Right? You, you know you, how how familiar are you with firearms? Pretty familiar. Pretty familiar, okay. Up here on my wall, you can't see it. Here I'll hold the phone up. Look. It's uh there's a, Web- a Weatherby 300 Magnum up there, and um, it's, a, it's a hunting rifle. It's a very powerful hunting rifle, and it's a very expensive hunting rifle. Um, four figures, right now right. Oswalds was two figures, two and a half, two and a half figures, not even that. And and and, and what they tell us is he went up there with this with this rifle that had a left-hand-mounted scope. I could use it. I'm left-handed. Oswald was not. Um, and, but, he, but, but he assembled it in seconds with a dime, stuck it out the window, and pulled off an Olympic shooting feat. Well, if I take this magnum off the wall, and I take it apart, this way to me, and then slap it back together, guess what I have to do next? I have to go sight it in. Because all the little screws, all the little tolerances are not lining up exactly to the millimeter, the same as it did before when it was sighted in. Therefore, it is not in alignment. You got to go outside. You got to go down range, You got to fire. It hit three inches to the left, two down. Adjust, adjust, adjust. You got to fire again. All right, now two inches to the left, a little bit up. Adjust, adjust. That's called sighting a rifle in. If you slap that thing together. There's no telling where in hell those bullets are going to go, and and I'm talking about a you know, fourteen hundred dollar rifle nowadays. But he did it. No, no, you have to sight a rifle in. That's just common sense, pure common sense. So there, I took your rifle away to old
1: Nutters. <laughs> I know. I get because I, <clears throat> I got, I got. Uh, well, somebody's. Saying something about uh, what about the Mauser? Well, I said, look, the problem is we don't have a Mauser in evidence. We don't have Mauser ammunition in evidence. We have a Carcano. We have an alleged Carcano bullet and bullet fragments. That's all we got to work with in the evidentiary record.
2: I, you know, I don't think that Mauser's a a heck of a thing. I want to believe. I, I want to believe that it was there. I. I'm kind of in the camp that yeah, that's probably what they found, and it's only because of the Boone and Weitzman affidavits, and, you know. But, and it's like um, another another. I was having a conversation with a guy. And he said, "Come on, man the guy The guy had a sporting goods store. You know, he was a native Texan. That guy knew guns. You know, and if, if Boone, Boone and White, which one Which one of them was it that had the sporting goods store? The Weitzman or Boone? Do you know?
1: I think it was Weitzman.
2: Okay, yeah. Um and the point they were making and which I agree with is the guy knew what he saw. You know? He knew what he saw. You know, I would I, I would think that in that in that position, if you're in that position at that time and you find a rifle, that's one of the first things you're gonna do. You're gonna look and see what stands on that thing. What the hell kind of rifle is this? You know, just kind of instinctually work, but you know that's just me. I'm just I'm just throwing stuff up against the wall, you
1: know. Oh yeah, I mean take take Roger Craig, what he said out of it. I mean, because this is years years and years later. If he would have said it off the bat, you know, like Seymour and Weissman in their affidavits, then okay. Yeah, yeah. But this is years later when Mark Lane's interviewing him for some kind of a documentary, and it's it's now it's we need something. We need something uh, magnificent and spectacular to say, you know, because God forbid I trashed another first-generation brilliant researcher um, who was opportunistic in every way. Um,
2: Bob, I can't take you anywhere.
1: <laughs> I know, I know. I, I can't got...
2: take this guy anywhere.
1: I'm trashing Gary Shaw, Mark Lane, I mean.
2: Man, man. But, you know, I, I noticed in a thread the other day someone uh... – I think it might have even been our friend Will Harder with JFK Primary Sources posted in a thread. He had been listening to some old Mae Brussel archives. Mm Mae Brussel archives. And and she was, uh, she didn't trust somebody and was really running them down. I can't remember if it was, uh, it was Penn Jones, I think. She was really running down Penn Jones on one of her episodes. And, uh, you know, it occurred to me then, well, if you, if you, if you've ever listened to her, 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 her archive over the years, she didn't like anybody.
1: No, she didn't. She didn't like. She didn't like Mark Lane either. Uh, you, you and,
2: well, yeah. Well, I was just thinking off the top of my head. Okay. Well, if she had a problem with um, Jones, well, just off the top of my head, I remember her 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 going after Weisberg, Mark Lane a lot. Yeah. Um, uh, Fensterwald, She didn't trust Bud um Yeah, you, you get the feeling she trusted very few people. You know. Um, but she trusted John Judge, you know? Yeah. Um,
1: you know who loved, but, yeah, you know Bob, who loved them Bob, Mark Lane?
2: Yeah, you know, that, that stuff, man, I tell you, when you start talking <laughs> about that stuff, you know, the Mark Lane and know. the fishiness of, of, of Jamestown, man, I tell you, people come out of the woodwork on you, boy. You, you, oh, no, we do not speak of this. No.
1: I know, I know. And then,
2: Imagine uh, with pitchforks and torches, man. Woo.
1: But I'm not the first one to bring it up that, you know, he could have possibly been a CIA lawyer from the get-go. And you know what I'm saying? Who better to lead the opposition when they felt that there was going to be a problem when it comes to, you know, there being a conspiracy? That's just my well, opinion. Well, you know, the
2: whole uh, the, the whole thing um, I, I think I heard Made Russell say one time, you know, the funny thing about Jamestown, you know, uh, Mark Lane got out with the money. You know, and uh, uh, that is a strange and terrible saga. With the, whatever the hell went down, you know, down there. Uh, and Mark Lane was, for better or for ill, um, a part of it in whatever way he was a part of it. Now, I'm not, I'm not discounting. Oh, here we go. Now they're going to get. Oh, you're attacking Mark Lane. No, I'm not. I'm not. I, as a matter of fact, uh, I read best evidence when I was 11 and, um, I think the very next year, um, little video store. Remember VHS video stores, Rob, they had, uh, I do. the black and white the judgment film and I rented that. So it was really kind of like my second, uh, you know, uh, 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 the second object of reference, you know, that, that, that I ingested. Um, and digested, for that matter, uh, was rushed to uh, to judgment. So, yeah, I mean, the guy was was definitely vocal. But, you know, I I hear what you're saying. You know, uh, you think about the word gatekeeper, and you think, man, there's a little bit there that points to that slight possibility. You know, and uh, if people think that's unfair of me to say that, that I'm attacking Mark Lane, I'm not. But the possibility remains, and the evidence is... uh, a little cannalizing, and uh, if that offends your sensibilities and your sense of respect for our elders, then it's my opinion. Hashtag Gfy. That's all I'm tell you. Yeah,
1: I mean, and like I said, we're not the first people to think this. You know, right? There was many people. We're calling... certainly
2: not the first to talk <clears throat> about it. No,
1: yeah, many people calling into question this stuff as it was happening back in the day. Um, yeah,
2: I, I must admit, though, I'm not very very well-versed on a lot of those details. I haven't done exact studying and that digging. Um, But, you know, other than, uh, you know, listening to May Russell when it happened, you know, uh, or as it happened, rather, um, you know, in her archives. But other than that, yeah, I don't know a whole lot about it other than that it is indeed
1: fishy, sir, fishy. Well, something else I wanted to talk on or touch on here. I mean, since we're talking about irresponsible and researchers, is is the Mac Wallace fingerprint. Um,
2: hey, can I can I can I run a caveat here? Yeah. Can I run a caveat here? Yeah. Okay. I, I cannot run a disclaimer. Okay, this is a disclaimer from the Dallas action. <laughs> I do such a fantastic job on my podcast of like not talking about people. But damn it, every time Rob Clark gets me on his show. <laughs>
1: <laughs> this I'm is an sorry, open. This is an open forum. I want you to feel like we're at home and you're in a comfortable place, and you know, sit back in the leather chair and relax, and and let's get it in. I mean, we. I'm
2: down, man. I'm look, down. And, you know, it is. It is a lot more like that because my my stuff is uh, my three quarter scripted. You know, I, I take pretty copious notes and outline the episode, but not 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 here.
1: No sir, know, I don't script anything. So. You've had Joan Mellon on your show. She's been on. Uh, I have. She's been on Chuck Ocelli's show. She's been on Black Op Radio. Uh, she's been on a couple other shows by Wilson's show. Um, very prominent author. Does a lot of research. Wrote I think the the books on Garrison. Um. Just has oh. a new book out called Fa- Faustian Bargains, in which she which she reexamined the evidence of the Mac Wallace fingerprint. And she actually hired another fingerprint expert to take another look at the fingerprint evidence and the unidentified print found in the sixth floor's depository. And she actually also had Mac Wallace's. They found a
2: print. They found a print in the suppository?
1: <laughs> yeah, one unidentified print. Um, <laughs> in the depository, not the supposed. <laughs> <laughs> it's working damn it um oh I, I just had a horrible thought thank you appreciate that okay i'm uh, here for
2: you brother i'm here for you
1: you're lucky we're recording right now or else i'd say something to make you laugh um <laughs> we got all day all right, right where were we here okay uh, i done lost my train wallace. of thought. okay mac wallace one on one unidentified print well Mm-hmm. Okay, as everybody knows, you know, there was work done by Jay Harrison and, and Richard Bartholomew and, and uh all these guys back then when they got Nathan Darby to do this fingerprint uh examination, but they did not have Mac Wallace's military Navy fingerprints. And they were working for photocopies of his arrest records and the fingerprint. Well, Joan Mellon got a crystal clear photograph of the fingerprint from the archives, and she got Mac Wallace's naval fingerprint records, and she got his arrest records, the original card. And she hired another independent fingerprint analysis of this unidentified print. And when she was writing her book, she wanted to write this book on Mac Wallace. She wanted to pin the stuff on him. But she thought it best to take everything and reanalyze it because Mac Wallace does have a, uh, interesting history. Um, you know, he was a murderer. You know, we can prove that he killed one person. Um, you know, who was banging his wife.
2: Yeah. The Marshall guy, the old, uh, the old guy, the the inspector or whatever. No, this was
1: uh, this was Kinsey or, uh, the golf pro. Yeah. The golf pro. He was banging his wife. Yeah. That's understandable, okay. You're going to want to kill somebody who's banging your wife, you know. Okay, Mag Wallace had the balls to actually do it, okay. And there was a law back in the day on the books, you know, in in Texas that you could you could do this, you know, and and technically get away with it. Um, but I digress. Now I've seen some scuttlebutt. Oh, but
2: that's called the "he needed killing, your honor" law. <laughs>
1: yeah, yeah.
2: Why'd you kill him? Well, he needed killing, your
1: honor. Dismissed. Yep, he was banging my wife, sir. Okay, um, you know, that's the only provable homicide we can prove that Mack Wallace did. Now, there's no proof at all he was LBJ's henchman or that he killed all these other people, including LBJ's sister, and on and on and on and on. And on. Now, the what? one thing that all these LBJ did, did guys rely on is this fingerprint analysis. And when we were at the conference, Doug, we heard actually Richard Bartholomew present this, his little presentation about the Mack fingerprint. Um, wow. was not convinced then still not convinced now but wow. you know thankfully Joan Mellon redid this and in the back of her book you know she she has the entire technical analysis you know it's one thing to say it but it's nothing to prove it so then you got to prove it you got to have pictures you got to you know all that stuff which she has in her book and I've seen a lot of scuttlebutt online about, you know, there's a lot of researchers kind of at odds because of, you know, certain people sitting on certain amounts of work, uh, allegations of of people being dishonest and uh, not letting go of some files that people need and this, that and the other and a lot of people being butthurt about personal things that really have no bearing whatsoever when it comes to the, actually, okay, let's get this thing right once and for all. Is it Mac Wallace's fingerprint or not? That's the only thing that matters. Because if it's not Mac Wallace's fingerprint, then all these LBJ guys can go jump off a cliff and sayonara. See you later. Because that's it, well, Johnny. That's,
2: that, that's not gonna. I mean, you know, people, people are so vested in the, theory that they have staked out. I mean, um, this is what we do. You know, this is what we do. We, 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 Okay, I think this happened and then you get your sword and your shield and you get in your ready stance and you go, okay, now for the rest of my life I'm going to defend it. And that does not leave you any room to grow. It does not leave you any room to learn. You know, I do not believe that Mac Wallace had anything to do with the Kennedy assassination based on what I've learned so far. And by extension, I do not believe that Lyndon Johnson had anything to do with the murder plot based on uh, what I've learned so far. It's like you said a few minutes ago, unconvinced. Not, I'll never believe it happened. Unconvinced. There's a substantial difference in in the two. I am not convinced, because, uh, uh, to any measure, that Johnson was was involved in Kennedy's assassination. But if that proverbial smoking gun shows up tomorrow, that is unequivocal, unassailable, beyond a shadow of a doubt, proof. Why well, put myself publicly in a position? to be forced to deny it based on past stubborn thinking
1: well that's that's the whole reasoning of the thing these guys have been convinced of this for 20 years because of this Mac wallace fingerprint identification yeah. and it's been written in stone for them for 20 years and they've been write, you know how many books contain the name Mac Wallace and, and Finger LBJ as a mastermind at least five or six in the past 15 years using this Mac Wallace print identification. And it's, it's, you know, if, if it is Mac Wallace's fingerprint, then okay, we've got a big problem. And that's what they yeah, think. It, you know, yeah, they, they were convinced it, that it, this is Mac Wallace's fingerprint. Then God damn it. Well, he, he's only tied to one person and that's LBJ. So there you go. You know,
2: exactly. And, and, and if that were to happen, you know, and I've done a lot of naysaying about the Mac Wallace theory, about the LBJ theory, but, but again, it's not that my position isn't all oh, that didn't happen, that would have never happened. It's not that. Is it based on the evidence that has been presented, the, the evidence that has been presented to me in favor of that viewpoint? And that scenario is simply not convincing. But the difference is being willing to be convinced, which I am, I'm sure, you know, because I tell you, I'm not like anti – it's not It's not a – I think it could be anti-mafia did it or the anti-this theory or anti-this theory. I'm pro-whatever-in-the-hell-the-truth-turned-out-to-be, Yeah, you know, Cruz and that's, me, that's yeah. the long and the short of it. You know, um, all, all of these folks – that you know will will we'll get nasty uh, about whatever theory that they that they are proponents of. Um, you know, I'm 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 don't do convince me because if LBJ is in fact the mastermind, I damn well want to know, and I want it known, if that's the truth. Right. But so far, the arguments for that are not convincing to me. And
1: it's just as simple. Right. If it could be proven without a shadow of a doubt that that's Mac Wallace's fingerprint, then we got a problem. Okay? But ever since it was done, it's been called into question. And there's been problems with it. And it's only now, 20 years after the fact, that we have another independent analysis done on this fingerprint that says, you know what? The first person got it wrong. This is not Mac Wallace's fingerprint. We actually have good material to work with now. We actually have the latest technology to work with now. Because I believe back in the day, Nathan Darby was in his 80s and hadn't recertified in quite some time. Now, people say, well, that's not relevant because, you know, I'm a house painter. Do I need to go every two years to get my license? Do I need to learn how to paint again? I mean, it's not something you just forget how to do. The problem is when it comes to fingerprint identification, there are techniques that are developed and new technology that comes out that you need to stay on top of to to properly do this stuff. And then even in the late 90s, Doug, we had computers. Okay, not great computers, not fast computers, but we had computers. But I believe that Darby was doing this using photocopies and sitting here doing it old school, looking from, you know, putting them side by side in front of him and with a magnifying glass, you know, looking at one and then looking at the other and say, okay, well, there's a match. Okay, there's a match. We have a match here. We have a match here. We have 14 matches. So, therefore, that's more than we need. That's a match. Yep. Now, this man is in his 80s with a magnifying glass. Looking at photocopies.
2: Yeah, that's not optimal. No, that's not optimal. Um, as far as uh, Miss Mellon's book, uh, I, man, I, I don't. I don't know. I. I it, it seemed. Uh, was there? Uh, have you read the book?
1: I have not read the book. I have only heard her is, interviewed about it. Um, is there any?
2: Is there any? Um, other than the finger, the new fingerprint analysis, is there anything new in that book?
1: Oh yeah, uh, I think the allegation is made that Mac Wallace wasn't even in Texas at the time. I think he was in California, yeah. at least that she alleges. And and you know none of that matters. None of that matters where you know where, if you can prove he wasn't in Dallas, then that's even a bigger bonus. But the problem is with all these guys... Yeah, that, that, would wrote... be,
2: that, that would be the nail in the coffin of that particular theory. You know, if you could prove he's, he, that he wasn't anywhere near Dallas, for sure. But, I mean, at the same time, um, at present, what we have are nothing but allegations. We have no proof that he was anywhere near Dallas to begin with now, you know? Yeah. Which is where I'm at with it, you know? Again... My gut tells me he wasn't involved, Mike Wallace. Um, The fingerprint analysis would seem to back that up. But, you know, if you've got uh, convincing evidence that he was, show it to me. I'm willing to be convinced.
1: Well, apparently there's some big hot debate on the Internet, you know, because the person who has the files, um, you know, is is sitting on them. And I believe he's the only one, the only one he's given to so far is Joan Mellon. But there might be a reason for that, Doug. I think you might know what that reason you, is. You,
2: now, you're talking about the J. Harrison files, right, that Walt uh, Brown yeah. has? Yes, sir. Well, you know what? I happen to know that we were reading from the uh, chronology a minute ago, weren't we? Yes, we were. You know, there's a part in there. If you'll give me a few minutes, I will, uh, uh, yeah, will keep you,
1: this. Yeah, while you look that
2: up. I believe there's, there's uh, in, in Walt, Walt Brown's chronology, there's a big on part called Book 1 um let me get in here uh, but yeah as far as uh you know don't uh, miss Mellon was nice enough to come on the Dallas action and we talked about um uh we'll talk while I look this up we talked about um um the um
1: Angelo and Leopoldo and
2: yeah the, the, the uh Bernardo de Torres and Angelo Mergado thing yeah um and I know she's been on um She's been, she's been making the rounds um, on the Internet, on the podcasts, and on the uh, Internet shows, you know, and on radio shows and things. And, and uh, she's
1: speaking at Lancer this year on this very yeah. topic.
2: And somebody, you know, somebody uh, uh, sent me a, a, a message just a couple weeks ago, a couple, three weeks ago, you know, hey, uh, you know, she just did so-and-so show. Are you going to have her on, you know, when uh, she's got the new book out? And I said, no, I have not invited her on to talk about the new book. And this person was was a little, you know, reclipped over it. Well, why not? She's been on this show before. Uh, why not now? And, and look, it, it's like this, Ron. Um Hey, you know, authors do that; they make the rounds. You know, when, right. when, and that's all well and good. That's awesome. I think it's I think it's fantastic to talk about their new books. But with my thing, man, it's, 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 it's more or less, uh, I, I invite people on when I want to talk to them about something specific, you know? Um, and that, this, this was, uh, late last year and I ran across, I was, I was looking into a Bernardo de Torres and ran across an article she wrote in 94 in the Key West Citizen yeah. about Angelo Brigado and contacted her about that. Um, right. and we did the episode, but you know, I, my thing is, um, why invite someone on my podcast so they can do the same spiel they did on two others last week.
1: Right. And that's, that's the, that's a great um, point. Cause somebody asked me, why, when are you going to have Joe Mellon on? When, and I told him, I why, said,
2: Look, you can, why? So you can listen to her say the very same thing that, on my show a Rob's show that you heard her say three days ago on somebody else's you know I mean nah that's cool Man, you guys do your thing but uh um, yeah, I mean
1: I'll have the occasional author on you know but mm-hmm. he, it turns into a lot of them talking and me saying yep yeah, mm-hmm, okay and which is which is well, fine cool. which is fine but you know we're not me and you what we do is not is not like a radio show you know I, I'd much rather talk to a researcher than an author. And that's not downing authors, but you know, authors have, you know, certain things to sell. You know, they want to sell their book, they want to tell about their book and that's what they stick to. And I'm not downing them cuz I've talked to authors on here before and that's that's fine and good. But most of the authors I talk to on this show are people that you probably aren't going to hear on Black Op Radio, you're not going to hear on on Chuck's show or anything like that. You know, it's, it's but these people don't have a, a big enough forum. And it's, you know what I'm saying, like.
2: Well, you know I've had uh, lots of well-known authors online. You know, Doug Horn and uh, oh gosh, Doug Horn, Ed Pedro, Walt Brown, Larry Hancock, Bill Simpich, Joe Mill. You know, a, a good, not all nice people to a person. Uh, John Barber, but um, I, I, I purposely tried not to do that thing when a book comes out. It was different. Last year, when Dr. Jeffrey Caulfield's brilliant book on General Walker and the murder of President Kennedy came out, it was different. He did three shows with me, um, because he got a bu- because he wasn't towing the dullest did it" line. He quite frankly got a bunch of shit from a lot of people. Yeah, and um, simply because he was presenting evidence. Linking Miltier, Joseph Miltier, and General Walker to the conspiracy to murder the president that didn't involve Alan Dulles or LBJ as the mastermind. And uh, he got treated pretty unfairly by a lot of people and didn't want to do any promotion. And I had to, like, get a a guy to sort of reach out on behalf of me and, and, and let him hear a couple of past episodes of the show on General Walker that I did the first year before he would agree to come on. And it's simply because of that. Because he was presenting this credible evidence that went against what some in the community called the consensus view of CIA privacy in the case, (laughs) um, again, it's another example of somebody cutting into somebody else's conspiracy industrial complex. Right. The leading, yeah, yeah. The now, leading, Patrice leading, Lumumba
1: I'm, and Dag Hammerstad. I'm sorry. Go ahead. Hey,
2: you know, I, <laughs> I I'm just, I'm, I'm venting a little more, but it's the same thing. You know, he didn't, he didn't want to do. Uh, he was, he was real sort of, real sort of standoffish at first until he heard. Um, I, he actually listened to some of the archive and heard, oh well, wow, man, this guy's all over the Walker stuff. You know, and a lot of things that I talked about in the podcast, he talked about in his book with General Walker. So once he figured that out, then I was I was a friendly. It was different, but it's simply because you know of of that thing, and you know I'm not um, I'm I'm just saying for my own purposes, like with like you say, we don't do radio shows. I don't. I consider the Dallas action to be an ongoing conversation, and. It has – the content of the show No, in no way, shape, form, or fashion has ever reflected um, what issues are pressing within the community or whatever. You know, What who's pissed off about what and, you know, who's calling who a liar and, you know, what theory is this? What's the hot theory of the day? It's never been about that. It's always been about what I happen to be studying at the time.
1: Right. Right.
2: Period. And I just come on and it's kind of like, hey guys, look what I found. This is cool. And we talk about it. And, you know, you try to tell a good story. And sometimes when I'm studying, go, I, and I'll go, I need to talk, I, I'd like to talk to this guy. Like with uh, the, the two episodes we did this year with Larry Hancock on the Gunbook Cowboys, the Interpin Mercenaries, B. Al, Santiago, Hargraves. Uh, that's what I happen to be studying and I went, I went to him, you know. Um, so no, no. Um uh, it, it 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 it'll never happen. Um very, very rarely happen that you'll see, you know, an author with a current release on the Dallas action just to pimp that release. Um I don't get paid to promote anybody's book. And uh um I don't get prepared, I don't get paid, period. <laughs> but you know, I will invite them on if it's something that that they've done in the past pertains to what I'm studying, but uh, nah, man, I'm not I'm not on that uh, I'm not on that publicity train. I I, I I jumped off of that thing.
1: No, I hear you, and I, I think people get it twisted. You know that, that what we do is is some kind of a public service, or it's some kind of a you know like a, a radio show where we're you know we're selling stuff, and we got. You know, we charge for our past archives, and you know I don't. No, no, I know we don't. But um, yeah, we don't. No,
2: no, it's it's absolutely free, baby.
1: Exactly. Absolutely free, Every, uh, Exactly, you know, and like I said, like you said, I think it's a damn shame, man, about Caulfield's book. I mean, it kind of came and went and gone. Like you I know, I know, word is mine, huh?
2: I, there, there are some people that that I have a lot of respect for that are, that, that did pay attention to that book. um uh, Garland Brown for example um
1: well, yeah yeah but people, I
2: mean like it. They're, on they're the whole, guy
1: yeah on the whole though it didn't get much fanfare in in at least from the legitimate circles and it kind of came and went. You know, I can't even believe you know this guy's not even speaking at what, at a conference this year or last no, year. No, he
2: he didn't he didn't get invited last year, and that's because yeah. he 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 his his theory his theory. <laughs> um, uh, well, you know, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna sit here and say, well, I agree with what he said in his book 100. percent No, but. Um, there's so much good evidence and so much important information in that book for it to be lambasted just because it didn't end with the sentence. And by the way, all of the above was orchestrated by Dulles is uh, kind of mind-blowing. You know, it, it, it was not it was not given the respect that it deserved. That's for damn sure.
1: No, it wasn't. And that's, that's a damn shame. Um, and, of course, we know the reasons for that. We don't need to publicly state them again. <laughs> but uh, go listen to some past shows, and I'm sure you'll hear us talk about it. Um, but oh
2: yeah, yeah. Rob, Rob just he, he puts me <laughs> he puts me on a soapbox and pokes me with a stick <laughs> every time I come on the. the and I'm actually very nice on my podcast, guys. If you've never heard it before,
1: yeah, and I encourage everybody to check it out. Of course, of course. Now, have you found uh, in the past 20 minutes? have yeah, you it found is, what it. Is, it is. I'm sorry, our Uncle Walt
2: here it is, and this is in uh, 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 the Analytical Chronology, uh, Walt Brown's uh, CD-ROM, the 36,000-page work on the uh, JFK assassination, which everybody needs to get. And you can contact Dr. Walt Brown at K-I-A-S dot W-S at Yahoo.com, or no, K-I-A-S that I'll, I'll look it up. I now forgot it. But anyway, let me read this part. Uh, this is from his chronology... Um, from uh, the preface. Much source material comes from the archives of Jay Harrison and it speaks for itself. A good number of people who will read this, I hope, knew or met Jay at one time or another and knew of his massive collection. There have been some ugly and personal outcries by those who insist I'm sitting on Jay's, this is in bold print, four million pages. And to those who talk the talk but don't walk the walk, I'll keep it simple. Show me yours, and I'll show you mine. For each person that has demanded Jay's materials, nobody has mailed me their research materials. And that's what he said about that Dr. Walt Brown.
1: Right, so how does Joan have this stuff? Well, you know what? She probably mailed her research to Walt. He probably now has the Navy fingerprints, the crystal clear photograph from the archives, and all of this fingerprint analysis. Uh, that was Walt, Walt,
2: Walt, Walt. Bob, Walt is a friend of ours. Yes. Yours and mine. Um, he's been on my show four or five times. He's a friend of ours. Walt's a good dude. Okay? And you said, you know, well, why did Joan Mellon get to see him? She must have sent him something. I don't okay. think it was even that complicated. I think probably what happens in some of these people that, that are that are bitching that, that he won't, you know, send the archives to them. Joan Mellon probably if I had to guess knowing Walt Brown as well as I do, she probably called up and asked nicely if she could come look through them. Well, yeah. That's probably yeah. that's probably all it took is to call him on the phone or send him an email and ask very nicely, can I come look through the archives? And he yeah,
1: probably say, I'm trying to straighten this thing out. Yeah. Say I'm trying to straighten this thing out once and for all. That easy. Yeah.
2: And if whoever these people are that are that are complaining about it or giving them hell about it, if they I, I I would almost bet money that if they contacted him and said, Dr. Brown, can I please look through Jay Harrison's archive? Can I come up there and look, please? Thank you, sir. He'd probably say yes. But no. People got to raise hell and make an issue out of it on the internet in front of God and everybody. You know? I agree. It's ridiculous. What I'm saying is, Joe Millen probably just asked the guy nicely and politely.
1: Well, she has, a, probably she, had, all could. she has a body of respectable work behind her, too. You know? it's not right. kind of like Joe Joe Schmo, you know, asking for this stuff. You know what I mean?
2: Hey, let me tell you this, and I want, and and, and again, I want everybody to know, because Walt Brown's a good dude. Don't listen to anything bad anybody says about him. Anybody. Anybody. Don't listen to anything bad anybody says about him. Because, I mean, even me, even a schmo like me, I've got that open invite. Yeah, man, anytime you want to come up to Jersey, spend a couple days, and look through Jay's archive, if you're looking for something, no problem. It's because I asked nicely. People seem to forget just that little thing.
1: Yeah, I mean, they're that's not, an important
2: they're, point. They're not not—they're not—they're not bitching because they, they, they don't have possible access. They're complaining because he just won't give it away. That's the difference. You know,
1: that's the difference. Well, come on, Doug. I mean, tell Walt to go photocopy four million pages and throw them in the mail to, to whoever wants them. Hey, you're yeah. going to have to give me a couple
2: weeks. <laughs> Cover it up. Cover it up. But no, I mean, yeah, that's what I'm saying you know well yeah, why I mean, how, why did Joe Mellon get the look? She probably just asked
1: yeah, hey, I mean, what do
2: you think, sure, people would be surprised uh how far a little bit of politeness will get them now, you know,
1: yeah, and there's so little of that on the in the forums and online these days, but when it comes to you know interacting with other researchers, it's you know it's just ridiculous Ooh, hey what
2: that remind that reminds me, yeah. I don't like that word anymore.
1: What's that? Researchers?
2: Oh, yeah. Ooh, do will say, don't ever call me that again. I'm a stupid. <laughs> because everybody that seems to, 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 to purposely tag themselves with that title or that descriptive usually ends up being somebody that I just don't care to be associated with, it seems like.
0: Yeah. Why am a researcher? She...
2: You, know, you know what? I'm not. I'm a student. I study research that was done by others before me, it's, you know. And uh, no, I am mean, just purely a student of the assassination, trying to figure it
1: out. Yeah, if you're not sitting your ass in the archives for days and weeks and months on end, you're not a researcher. You're just like not...
2: like our boy Michael Best over at Global Art Disclosure.
1: Right. If you're not, you know, digging through the files at the archives and, and you know, like like Weisberg, like. uh, you know, a lot of these other guys, um, I'm sorry, but, I, you know, when the term researcher comes to mind, that's what I think of. Somebody digging in the trenches, somebody spending hours and days and months and at the archives and precious time and resources. If you're just reading about the case and, and, you know, you're doing a little online investigation, you have an interest in the case. That's all you have. You have an interest. You're not researching anything. Like Doug said, you're a student. You're learning from what other people have done before you.
2: Yeah, well, that's that's I was speaking for myself there. You know, well, I mean, that's you're speaking for everybody
1: I, that's not sitting yeah, in an armchair
2: exactly you know, armchair analyst, you know, um, that kind of thing, and uh, you know, yeah. talking about talking about the podcast, you know, like you talking about before, man. It's uh, it, it, if people think we're doing it to make money, God, they are so off. And it's not that I'm I'm complaining because I, I don't care about that. I have a job, you know. It's fun. It's fulfilling, and um, you really do kind of uh, develop a rapport with your audience and kind of a bond with them, you know. Yeah. Because they always come back, um, and you know, get a few bad apples, man. But uh, overall, over overall, it's 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 been a good experience for me for sure.
1: You know what I hope, Doug? What's that? I hope this episode sounds good. <laughs>
2: because... <laughs> <laughs> well yeah me too man me too i'm I'm actually outside we're talking about the the kennedy assassination and i'm going out to my convertible to get a pack of smokes at the same time technology yeah, is amazing well,
1: i hope this doesn't amazing. sound like I'm, like I'm eating my microphone you know i and thank you to folks uh like james and john who support the show I've been able to invest in a little bit more technology here, and I'm hoping that this show sounds a hell of a lot better and that the problems are fixed. So it's thanks to, you know, these listeners that support the show that I'm able to do stuff like this and, you know, try to make the show sound better. Because like I said before, this is not a radio show. This is not black op radio where I'm sitting in a hundred thousand dollar mixing studio with all this equipment around me. And I know what the hell I'm doing. I'm just like you with a computer that's, and I don't know a lot of this technical shit when it comes to, you know, levels and, and editing and all this other mess that I got to do. I'm doing the best I can. And I know there's issues, you know, people, you don't have to point them out to me every week. I know. And I've tried that. You will not hear me vape one time on this episode because I got a microphone kill switch (laughs) on this. some (laughs) bitch. I don't trust. I don't trust the mute button no more. Cause, uh, you know, in the past couple shows, I've been hitting the mute button, but yet my microphone is still recording. Uh, so hopefully that won't be an issue this time, and I apologize you for know, that.
2: You know, you told me a while ago off the air, a, a while ago, that that was a vape and I swore, yeah, I swore that was a water bong.
1: Yeah, I've gotten accused of hitting the bong, uh, <laughs> you know, all, all kinds of good stuff. But that's just because, you know, my stupid Skype recorder is recording my audio whether I hit the mute button or not, like if I'm talking to you and I hit the mute button, you're not going to hear me vaping, but it's still getting recorded in the final mix of things. That's what it's everybody muted. hears.
2: They're on the other end.
1: Yeah, it comes out on the other end. But this time, I guarantee you, you will not hear me vape one time. I have hit the kill switch every time I've vaped, and uh, hopefully, the audio levels are a lot better this time. At least I hope they are. They look they they look like they are. So we'll find out. But you know, it, you know, unless, you know, like James and uh, John and, and other folks like them that have helped support the show, if you haven't helped support the show, then you really don't have a right to say anything about how the show sounds. Um, you know, this is, you know, in order for this show to sound great and to have awesome audio and no technical glitches, you know, that requires a lot of. Software that costs money and hardware that costs money that I just don't have the capacity for. Um, it's a podcast, it's not a radio show. I don't know how to make that difference much clearer. You know, I know there's podcasts out there that sound great, and you know what? You go look on Patreon and their damn shows are making twenty thousand dollars an episode. This is yeah. not, this is not that. This is not sword and scale. This is not Tannis. This is not the black tapes. This is. I wish it no, was. It's
2: not. Oh no, it's not. Yeah.
1: <laughs> I wish it was. You know, because then this be a full time job. You know what I'm saying? And it would sound so fucking great. You know, you you would hear me fart and and breathe, and you would hear flies crawling on the wall. It would be so great. The audio. Um, I'd build a studio with soundproof walls and have all this great equipment. And but you know, I like to say we'll get there, but I doubt it. Um. So it is what it is, you know. The audio is what it is, and I'm working on the issues. I know. I told you last week. Don't you don't have to point them out. I yeah, got Bob. it. God damn it, I got it. I'm meant to I'm complain working on to you it. about that. <laughs> Getting loud, info. Sorry, you, like, have you been having microphone problems or something lately? Like yes, yes, I have, I have. I'm working. Well, on it, Can you please damn get it. that fixed? Yeah, I'm working. You on came in it, it awful damn. hot last week. That's all I'm saying. I did. I did come in pretty goddamn hot, didn't I? Yes, you did. Yes, you did. <laughs> yeah, that show I did with Bart Camp. I did that show. With my three, damn daughter,
2: I was three counties away.
1: Three mother-effing times I recorded that show. That's almost nine hours of prayer man, lunchroom encounter. And I, look, I love Bart to Ooh. death. I, I love Bart to death. I think he's great. I think he's a great guy. He's a great researcher. Does great work. But let me tell you, we that audio was horrible the first couple of times, you know, and, and there's so much information with what he was saying, you know, we it, it, couldn't just do an hour show about it. It had to be almost three hours yeah. long and to get, finally get it right or not even right, just decent enough to put out there was a chore. And, you know, people don't realize this, but you know, there, there's a lot of hard work behind what we do here. You know, sometimes, sometimes we just get on here and wing it. Sometimes it's a, uh, you know, it's arduous, but, you know, I, tr- tr- yeah, I want to yeah. make the show listenable. I'm not just trying to put trash out there so everybody's like, what the hell is this guy? You know, it sounds like shit. The
2: thing about it, I, I think people, uh, of course, you joke about just kind of getting on the air and winging it, um, but I don't think people realize, you know, um, I, knew, I knew early on, you know, in, in the podcasting thing, you know, hey, well, this is a tough crowd. If you get something wrong, they're going to let you know. And, um I have re-recorded episodes of my podcast, I said, um, talking about the audio incident, it was early on, it was one of the first ten I did when we started, and I repeatedly said that it happened on October 28th, like three times, for some dumbass reason, so I re-recorded the whole thing, you know. I mean, it was a great. Other than that, it was a great episode. But I thought, you know, and this was early on in the process. If I upload this and say three times that the audio incident happened on October 28th
1: of '63, I can't you you do that.
2: Yeah. yeah, I can't do that. You know, what kind of smoke am I? So here I did. I never, re- you know, re-recorded. And uh, but uh, yeah, yeah. But well, I think what people. There is a lot of preparation that goes into that. I mean, you, you kind of have to take notes because uh, you know there's so much detail and so much information, and and you know people are, wa- are listening and taking notes. I mean, literally, literally.
1: Oh yeah, and and look and
2: checking check your sources as they listen to the podcast. Yeah. So yeah, you got to do some preparation, man. You you have to sketch out a narrative just so you don't. It's not obvious that you are rambling. You know what I mean?
1: (laughs) Well, you Uh, remember the greatest invention when we first started doing this podcast was a goddamn pause button.
2: Oh, wow. Yes.
1: Yes. I don't know how many times I would get 20 minutes into a show and just fuck it all up and have to start over again.
2: Well, you know, if you were the one, Rob Clark, I have to credit with, um, when you go to the Play Store to your apps, the Spreaker's the Spreaker Studio app, um, which is what we use to create these podcasts, you would go over there to the reviews and about every other day for a while, there would be, we need a pause button, damn it, this sucks, Rob Clark. Yep. <laughs> Rob is responsible for that <laughs> and I'll never forget the first time I used it, I was actually doing a show on, I remember it was a Edwin Walker show and, uh, uh, I, I suddenly realized that it was there. Oh, there's a pause button. So hell, I, I, I stopped at those sentence, hit pause, marked it, went outside, smoked a cigarette, went to the bathroom, came back, hit hit unpause, carried on. It's the greatest thing ever.
1: You're right. Yeah. Or if, you, or if you forgot a date or a fact or something, and you you know you knew it was coming, you could hit the pause button, go check it, come back, and seamlessly yeah, integrate it like you're the smartest person in the for world. A while.
2: Yeah. But you know what I can't I can't say enough good about spreaker.com. Um, I'll shout that to anybody on high. You talk about making the art of creating a podcast and promoting a podcast easy for the layman.
1: Wow. Yeah, because we were looking for some way to do this very easily when we first started. And that was basically, I got lucky and stumbled across this Spreaker deal and yep. tried it out. I was like, okay, this is about as easy as it's going to get. Because when you start looking online, you know, you're talking about recording and this, and you have to mix it with this and insert your yeah. music this way and that way. And it, it was crazy. Um, and Spreaker has come a very long way in, in, in two years, especially with your studio and, and the just...
2: studio app, is it's, it's literally a two-track studio that, that, that's in your phone, and uh, you can dump uh, tracks in and out. You can mix one hot, one low, one, you know. Um, like when yeah. I do my thing, you know, like usually on the Dallas action, a song will start, and I'll pick a section out of, of the song to say, you know, whatever, hey, how's it going? Welcome to the Dallas action. Well, that's a, the, the vocal is a separate track, me, me greeting the audience then then the music it's like a little like a little portable studio is what it is you you play the music and then I hit that track turn it down you know the greeting plays and then the monologue and the interviews on a completely different track and you play it whenever you want you know and then really the ease of use and with the RS feed and the way that's accessible to uh, you know networks and, and, and other places feeds can pick your show up Um. I can't say uh, I can't say enough good about uh, the, the whole experience in three years with Spreaker, has been uh, just, just pretty carefree. Really, never yeah. never had any problems.
1: Yeah, and never finally, you, yeah, I was always asking them too. You know, all right, they have a share button for Facebook and, and Twitter and Google Plus, which is fine, and they work great. But I was like, you know, I want to be able to share this to YouTube too without having to get yeah. on, on the computer and do it you know I, know I want a button on the mobile app where when I'm when I'm uploading this thing it'll go right to YouTube my YouTube channel and they did that too they integrated that too around the first of the year <clears throat> so that's Is how it, all really? my, yeah that's how all my new episodes go right to YouTube bam as soon as I upload the episode See, man,
2: I'm kind of I'm, I'm a lot lazier about that uh, <laughs> uh, promotional stuff than you are I mean you know you're good at it to your benefit you know you're Gosh, the long Gum its blown up a hundred thousand, you know. And I just, uh,
1: dude, that's crazy. Man, I, yeah, I'd to go,
2: you know,
1: because I'd be hard. on Spreaker and look. There's, there's not many shows on Spreaker that are have a hundred thousand listens. I mean, there's just not. If you go looking around Spreaker at people's shows, yeah. there's not many that have that many listens. And you know, no,
2: I was amazed that um, when we first got got into the the, the the whole Spreaker community, how many shows there are. They get like three, four, 16 listens a month. Yeah. Um, and people just keep churning the episodes out, man, because it, it is fun. Podcasting if you if you're podcasting about a subject that you're passionate about, it is a tremendous amount of fun. And to me, I think that's where buzz is. is you know, it's just being doing what I do for a living, you know, it's kind of a creative it's just another creative outlet right for me from like we were talking about you know sort of outlining what you're going to talk about and figuring out what and arranging your info and then there's the whole creative process of actually going into the speaker speaker system and producing and mixing the episode and once they go up they're there forever you know yeah um, nobody see. can take that away from you you know what i mean and uh i enjoy the hell out of it it's it's when uh it's, it's, it's when the, the drama seekers pop up, <laughs> uh, you know, um, that the, it, the fun goes out of it sometimes.
1: Yeah, and, and the amount of, from we started, you know, it was, okay, here's Black Op Radio, and that was pretty much the only choice you had. And now, you got my show, you got Doug's show, you got Chuck's show, you got, uh, what's that dude up in Canada, Brent Holland's show, you got Bob Wilson's show. You got yeah. Al Warren doing stuff related to the assassination. I mean, it's it's all over the place.
2: Oh yeah, you know. And speaking of, of, of there being a lot of uh, a lot of shows now, um, I'm gonna for for people that are uh, listening to the Dallas Action, or if you haven't yet, if you're if you listen to Rob's show, you want to check out our show. I'm gonna try to get two more episodes up in the month of October, and then um, I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna Take a vacation for the entire month of November, Rob.
1: Yeah. You know why? Why?
2: Dude, it's because every terrestrial and internet radio show – on the planet, like even the ones that talk about the Nephilim and the lizard people that run the Federal Reserve. and uh,
1: <laughs> George Norrie uh, will be talking about the JFK. Yeah, assignment. you yes. know,
2: um, even the people that, um, that, that regularly do radio shows about alien abduction, they're going to be doing their JFK stuff in November. Oh, yeah. Uh, and I've just, you know, I've just decided ah, I'm going to take a vacation from that cacophony. Um, I'll just come back with some fresh material in December. Sounds like a plan. Yeah, that's what I'm going to do. But tell you what I would be, Rob. We would be remiss if we didn't remind you, the listeners where they can find the Dallas section.
1: Yeah, let's let them know for sure. Because there's a bunch of yeah. places they can find it.
2: There's a bunch. The best place to find it is right at the source, ladies and gentlemen, and that is... Spreaker.com, and if you'll give me just a moment to navigate my electronic mobile device here, I'll yeah, give you to the link a, at the Dallas Action Podcast. Here, I got it. Yeah. What do you got? You got it?
1: I don't have it. I was nope. just going to say, if you, if you can't remember the specific link, because I think you got some numbers and letters in there. All yeah, you got to do, do is search for Dallas Action when you get to Spreaker, and it will pop right up.
2: Pop right up. Prop exactly right up. It's Spreaker www.Spreaker, dot Spreaker dot com Slash User Slash 733 8953. That's Spreaker dot com slash user slash seven three three eight nine five three is the direct link, but if you go to the Dallas Action on Facebook, we have a Facebook page and there's a post with that link you can click right over for every single episode. Also, me and Rob's shared Facebook page, which is the JFK Assassination Dash Two November Network. That's the digits 22 November network. All one word on Facebook. Also the Dallas Action, all the posts and links can be found on our blog spot, our WordPress site, 22NovemberNetwork.wordpress.com. We are also at the Dallas Action, and when I say we, I mean the royal we, it's just me, are um, um, proud members of the Wicked Radio Network, the Tangent Bound Podcast Network, uh, the Stitcher Network, and the Satchel Player for Podcast App. We're featuring all that stuff. There's 95 episodes. No, wait. A few have been deleted. There have been 95. There are still 80 in the archives. Actually, oh, and, and it, Doug, Doug?
1: Yeah. Rush LaChapelle would like those episodes that you've deleted, by the way.
2: Man, I don't know. I really <laughs> don't.
1: I really I know. don't. I'm just, I'm just busting your balls.
2: Yeah, yeah. Some of the things we've covered recently. We did uh of course the one this week, uh part ninety-five, a Strange Tale of Robert Croft and other DV Plaza stories, had Michael Best on a couple of times recently, the uh counterintelligence expert and uh declassified documents archivist from Glomar Disclosure. Um, had uh Mr. Larry Hancock on uh a couple of times this year uh talking about the gunboat cowboys, Roy Hargray's uh Heming and the Interpin Mercenaries, uh couple of episodes about Army Intelligence, uh the Dallas, uh the Dallas Police Department, and uh one uh from June tenth, two thousand sixteen called The Bannister Network. With special guest Rob Clark is in the archives. Yeah. That is number eighty-eight, and that is one for the ages, ladies and gentlemen. Please go check Please go check all of those out. If you are a fan of the Lone Gunman podcast, which I know you are, as am I, uh, this is the brother show to the Lone Gunman podcast. We are Doc and Wyatt. We ride together. It's the Dallas Action. Check us out. Big archives, lots of cool stuff to hear.
1: Yeah, and, and you know what was really cool is, is listener Carolyn sent us cool ass coffee mugs with our little.
2: In the world. Tell, tell everybody about these awesome mugs,
1: man. Well, there's three of them because she has one. Um, Yeah, she... Yes, me and the whole world. She got us these custom-made Lone Gummin and Dallas Action coffee mugs. And it has the logo on the front. And then on the back, it has the Government Corruption Response Team. Cool as shit. And thank you, Carolyn, so much. I, you know... I can't speak for Doug, but I'm sure he loves it too as much as I do. So thank you very much.
2: It, it is, it is indeed my favorite mug. And you know what, Miss Carolyn has been—she um, uh, has been down from day one. Yeah,
1: long time supporter. And from in in all, day in, one. In all seriousness, God bless Russ. I mean, he he does archive our shows. If anything ever happens to Spreaker. If, a nuclear yeah. bomb goes off in Spricker headquarters. Russ will have all the shows. So <laughs> uh,
2: yeah. God bless him if for doing are, what he we does. Are, we are preserved in perpetuity thanks to Mr. LaChapelle. Yes. Um, and Miss Carolyn, she, uh, if, if anybody's ever listened to my show and I mentioned, you know, a certain listener like Rob, or I might mention Ted Rubenstein, I might mention Francesca, Akar or Miss Carolyn, then I'll say member of the Dallas Action Honor Roll, right? Um, and but that, I, that phrase was, was actually invented for Miss Carol a couple of years ago. She was the very yeah. first member. And that coffee mug is my, it, it, it immediately became my favorite coffee mug in the world. Because it says, real big, it's got the TLG, a red TLG and a blue PDA, the Dalla Faction. Um, And uh, that's a cool logo. And, and I like the government corruption response team. That's that's the three yeah. of us. Yeah, only three. Only three. It's an exclusive damn club. Rob and Miss Carolyn.
1: It is, and I might as well plug the hell out of this right now. If anybody out there is interested in a Lone Gumming or Dallas Action T-shirt. We yes, have yes. a shit ton of designs for you to choose from. Unfortunately, we don't have a link where I can send you directly to our whole store. I'm going to bug them about getting that done. Uh, but there are pictures. Of, <laughs> yeah. There, get on. Them. Yeah. There, there are pictures up over at the Lone Gum and Facebook page of all the different designs. And if you see one you like, let me know and I can send you the direct link where you can purchase this. Now, when you purchase this t-shirt, we get a very small percentage of of a kickback when it hits a uh, hundred dollars or something. They only pay out every hundred dollars, um, so it's going to take us a while to get a payout. Um, and 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 when we do, you know that that will go to help support the show. And Doug, I believe, is going to donate his to the uh, St. Jude's uh, Children's Hospital.
2: Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Every penny. If if people buy uh, buy a shirt, every every penny uh, I'm gonna what we're gonna do is we're gonna we're gonna contact my wife does uh, like a walkathon uh, kind of thing for St Jude's every spring, so we're gonna we're gonna get the royal treatment. We're gonna ride down to Memphis, which is only about three hours away, and we'll get a picture uh, with them with one of those big chicks. You know, it's St Jude's Children's Research Hospital, um, and it's gonna we're gonna donate every penny um, to to them on behalf of the Dallas Action family, the Long Podcast family, and the JFK assassination research community. And I want to make sure they put that on their fake big check.
1: Yes. Because and
2: not me giving them the money. It's it's everybody else. So that's what I'm going to do. Yes.
1: yes we sir. have a lot of cool shirts. We have a lot of offensive shirts. Um <laughs> Well, so, you said a
2: while ago, You know, you said there's a bunch of shirts. It's not the quality, ladies and gentlemen. It's the it's it's not the quantity. It's the quality. Where yes. you can get a you can get a Lone Gunman podcast shirt with Larry Crayford's mug on it.
1: Yes, where you can get an Oswald, uh, shit, and, what was it? I, I have a shirt with Fetzer and Sinque on it, and it says, "I'm gonna have to pull this up and see." I mean, you can get a I, you know, I got a good sense. You of really you make a in K. You're really selling centrist in K. shirts. Yes, sir, I am, and it, it's very oh, funny. Oh, you know, so if you want to oh, piss off, if you want to piss way, off some people, I will. If you want to, if you hey, want to piss off some people guys, in Dallas, yeah,
2: yeah. If you want to make some people in Dallas, uh, there's there's a there's a there's a there's a, a Dallas action, the Dallas action T-shirt, It's the uh, Lee Harvey Oswald backyard photo, but instead of a rifle, he's holding. A flying V electric car <laughs> with flames painted on it. Um,
1: Dime bag there, got, nice to uh, be exact.
2: Yeah, we, we've got, uh, there's the, uh, the the Dallas action Lauren Hall. Uh,
0: yes. Uh,
2: that, that may be my favorite. Um, Lauren, Lego Lauren in blue. Hall. Yes, yes, with a cigar. Um, smiling real big, and it says the Dallas action. Uh, some, uh, quite a lot of very, very cool t shirts over there. I myself am about to get uh, uh, get me a long Gunman podcast with um, the sketch of dark-completed man and radio man sitting on the curb. Rob, I like that design a lot. TLG podcast.
1: Yeah, that's an awesome design. And you know, I got uh, I got one with uh, David Atley Phillips on it with a, standing in front of a CIA sign. I got an Oswald as Prayer Man shirt for Bart and and, and all those guys and. I even got hey, You
2: telling me that we can we can literally you can literally put like an, an unlimited number amount of designs up there for sale for the for TLG and 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 the Dallas action?
1: I can put anything on here, dude, anything. And I found the Jim Fetzer and Ralph K one. It, it is them standing side by side. Ralph is wearing a dress, of course, and Fetzer has his arm around him. And it says, "OIC Obesity in Sync." Get it? Do you get Oh, it? Rob! I can't take you anywhere. <laughs> it is the funniest shirt in the world. Huh. So you know, I'm thinking about making you a know Judy what? Baker shirt.
2: Yeah
1: what? <laughs> yeah, what?
2: If 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 I was your mother, I, I would. Did she have to, like have you on one of those retractable leash harnesses when you were a child to keep you
1: out of trouble? No, I think that's the problem. I'm off the chain, buddy. Ah, uh, yeah. Now,
2: I didn't have the. I didn't have the harness, but I did have the helmet.
1: <laughs> but yeah, the folks. There's a ton of cool designs. You can get one with with Doug's big ugly mug on it that says the Dallas Action. You can get one with That's my big right. ugly mug That's on it that says the learn Gummin Podcast. You can get one with Lee Harvey Oswald that says Keep Calm and Patsy On. You got one with uh Lawrence hey, Howard, yeah, Warren Hall, here. Roy Hargreaves, and Vidal with Squad Goals. Um, God, guys, I gotta, I gotta tell you, if you, uh, if you get you one of those,
2: uh, get you one of those, uh, lone gunmen, uh, with, uh, Rob's picture on it and, uh, you know, wear it around your girl all day. It'll pay off later.
1: <laughs> I can't believe I made that shirt. Unbelievable. Oh, I think it's fantastic. That, what you, fact, the, that, that's
2: what inspired me to make the, 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 the Doug Dallas shirt.
1: Yeah. I mean, but that Larry crazy yeah. shirt, that's, uh. I actually ordered that shirt. I have that shirt. Um, I know.
2: I saw your you you you. I saw your photograph with that shirt on.
1: And for those worried about the quality of these shirts, look, I'm actually wearing one right now. It's the Lone Gunman uh, logo shirt, and I love. It's really soft, Doug. I mean, this the quality is good. The build is good on these shirts. Uh, the only problem I would say is order a size bigger than you normally wear. Okay. Okay. That's what I would that's what I would tell everyone. I mean, you can order these in women's cut t-shirts, you can order them in hoodie style, you can order them in long sleeve, short sleeve t-shirts. Any design you want. Uh just let me know. Any design you want. Yeah, just yeah. Like, you know, get at me on Facebook or Twitter, say, "Hey, you know, I want this," and I'll send you a link for it. Um supposedly I'm supposed to get a notification when we sell a shirt, but I haven't got any yet. So I don't know exactly what's going on. or If we're even selling any shirts or if I'm the only one that's bought any yet, I don't know. But, uh, hopefully this works. I've had a lot of people, I've had, I've had some interesting I've had, people. I've had
2: many people tell me that they were excellent, excellent looking shirts and they can't wait to have one, but I do not, I have not had any confirmation of a purchase. Yes,
1: that's right. You know, so folks, no,
2: I have that, not heard. Nobody's told me if you have, yeah, if anybody out there has in fact purchased a Dallas Action shirt, post a photo at the Dallas Action on Facebook, and I will post it for everybody to see that you have uh, donated to the cause.
1: Yes, absolutely, absolutely. I'll even mention you on the show. So you post a picture you're wearing the Lone Gumman or TDA shirt. We will definitely mention you on the show and thank you publicly for your contribution and support for the show. And I'm, like I said, I'm wearing this shirt right now and it's, it's comfortable. I've washed it once. It hasn't faded at all. It didn't shrink, actually, which is a good thing because it's 100% cotton. So hopefully they're pre shrunk. Um, but like I said, it's, it's a comfortable shirt. It's nice and soft and, you know, it shows off the guns pretty good. You know, it hugs the guns, you know, on your upper arm. There you go. I love it. Sun's out, guns out, baby. Boom boom. The lone gumman.
0: <laughs> <laughs>
1: oh shit. All right. We better end this uh, while we're Dallas to-
2: action. Hey, we're eating tacos. The Dallas action.
1: <laughs> yeah, we can make any offensive shirt if you want to wear one to Dallas this year that's, you know, has Judy Baker's big face on it and you know, her having sex with Lee Oswald or something. We can make that shirt, you know. We can oh do no. That. You had to go oh, there. <laughs> <laughs> you have to go there. You have to go there. Uh,
2: yeah. Now, now I'm trying to clean my brain. I'm thinking about sandpaper just to make it go away. I
1: know. I apologize. Yeah. So, dang it, Rob! I Again, know.
2: can't take you
1: anywhere. <laughs> All right, man. We plugged everything. You know where to find the show. You know where to listen to the show. You know how to support the show. And we thank you from the bottom of our hearts for getting us this far. Here we are, two and a half years later. Hundred thousand yep. downloads later, uh, yeah, you know, we're we're still in this thing together, brothers from another mother. You know what I'm saying, bros before hoes and all that good stuff. And uh, <laughs> yeah, still, there
2: you go, there you go.
1: You know, I, hopefully you oh. learned something today. Uh, well, you know, if not, at least you see the reasoning behind where we're coming from on a lot of these issues. Even if you don't agree with us, that's fine. But just take into consideration all angles of something before you fully invest your support and, and remain objective, remain open-minded to evidence that could change your way of thinking. That's, that's, that's the main the here. I would here.
2: say we're not, unlike many out there, we're not uh, promoting a certain theory, even one of us. We're not trying to bully anybody into accepting any theories, either one of them. If you boil it all down, I think what we do is ask questions. And that's that's what we do. We ask questions. Why do we think this? Why is this this way? How did they get there? You know, what were their motivations? And it's, it's just, uh... And you're gonna, when you question "Unquote conventional thinking," you're going to step on some toes, and and that's that's all we're doing is questioning things because chasing the same leads for 53 years has led us right back to where we've always been.
1: Yep, right. right. That's right, and and you know it's I don't even know how to say it properly, but you know looking at all this stuff and. and, and what I'm saying is we we need, to, we need to have a higher evidentiary threshold when it comes to this case. Because if you think just because you're on the conspiracy side of things that everybody else on the conspiracy side of things is going to listen to you and believe in what you're saying and buy what you're saying and promote what you're saying, that's not a good thing. Because all you're doing is you're making it if you think it's easy for us to tear you down. What do you think the lone nutters in the mainstream media would do if they got a hold of, you know, all this stuff as a whole? You know, all these dummies think Oswald's in the doorway. <laughs> That's a joke. You know, this is ridiculous. We've hired a photo expert that clearly states that this photo has not been altered in any way. You know, it's not easy to tear down horrible theories or fairy tales. You know, have you, has Judy Baker been on the mainstream media? No. There's a reason for that. Cause they were tear apart in two seconds and make us all the laughing stocks, you know, all us crazy conspiracy theorists, you know, we'd get lumped right along inside Beverly Oliver and Judith Baker and James files, you know, because people on the outside without an interest in this case, when they look at us, they see conspiracy theorists and they see, you know, lone nutters. That's all they see. We're all the same to them, even though we're not. Um, and I don't like being lumped in with, with all this other stuff. And just well, sit- the
2: problem is, it's, it's it's a matter of it's 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 a matter of public recognition as a matter of volume. You know, most people that are serious students who do serious, well-informed analysis on the subject tend to do so quietly. The more serious people, and the ones that are the most vocal. Um, the ones that do the most shouting are usually the ones that want the attention, and the ones that want the attention will prefer for – not because they're serious students, but it's because they want attention.
1: Yeah. And, and,
2: they, as, and they tend to be the, uh, uh, the, the more fringe, and if the more fringe are the louder of the two, then obviously they're the ones that are going to get the most attention to the mainstream.
1: Yeah, a la the squeaky wheel gets the grease. You know, like we were talking about uh, Caulfield's book earlier. And that's how we
2: all get lumped in together. You know, people that are vaguely aware of, say, the community, and and, and if they dip their toe in it, the first thing they come across is the OIC, and they go, oh, God, all these people are crazy. And that's how it works.
1: Yep.
2: You know, meanwhile, someone like you or me or – you know, people that we know that are more reasonable, educated people who are on our side of the fence. They're, oh, you're one of those crazy, you know. And, but unfortunately, that's the way it works.
1: Yeah, you know? and, and you notice, like if we were talking about Caulfield's book, you notice that book did not get any attention from the mainstream media whatsoever. It didn't get any ref- refutation or it didn't get talked about by any lone nutters whatsoever. And there's a reason for that. And the reason is that he did his homework and it's based on documentation and evidence. There's very little speculation in that book. It's this can be tied to this because of this document. This can be tied because of that document. It's very hard to refute evidence. It's very easy to refute stories.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
1: And that's what we got to remember.
2: But like I say, you know, that was a point of uh, one of the the points at the end of the last episode of the Dallas Action. Well, you know, it's discerning between the two. There's the challenge, you know.
1: Yeah. And and it's not just them. There's a lot of little stories that, you know, you got to choose, you know. Okay, well, can this be substantiated by anything else? Can this be proven? Or is this just a fairy tale? Is this somebody's story that, you know, wants to insert themselves into the middle of things, you know. And that is a big problem, yes, sir. Yes, sir. Yep. What you got
2: to look for is the people that are trying to extricate themselves from the story. Those, those are the, those are the <laughs> leads you want to say, Hey, why are you running away?
1: Exactly. You
2: know, like come here, come here, come here, come here you. you know, that's what we need to be concentrating on. Not, not the people that uh, whose story becomes ever more fanciful each time it's told. Madeline Brown.
1: You know. Yep, Beverly Oliver. Uh, Judith Baker, um, you know, and on and well, on down say, the list. Well,
2: she, that that could have been her. All I know is that uh, the Nick film thing. That that does it for me. You know, so I, yeah, do you think? We'll see. You.
1: Yeah, and the claims inside the Carousel Club, and her being best best friends with Jack Ruby. And I mean, come on. But anyway, we digress, and uh, we've said what we had to say, and Doug. Once again, magnificent show, my friend. Thank you so much for coming on and celebrating these hundred some thousand downloads and plays, brother. Anytime.
2: Any, 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 any time, I will come running to be on the Long Government Podcast. Absolutely.
1: I know at this so rate doubt. we'll be doing no, two hundred thousand in like three months. <laughs>
2: <laughs> yeah. Well we'll do it again and we'll uh uh you'll you'll go me into picking on someone else.
1: Yeah, I'll have to find some more shit for you to talk <laughs> next
2: time. <laughs> Rob, he, he, oh, man, oh my goodness, oh my goodness.
1: <laughs> I like bringing out but the other that, side. This is, this is the, yeah, this is the know, dark love, side somebody, of the he, Dallas action.
2: Oh, man, I know. Somebody, I, I tell you about the email I got the other day. Some guy, some guy sent me an email. He was mad about something I said about Dolas, I think. And he, he, the last, the last line was, how did you get a podcast anyway? So I answered him. It was an essay contest. I finished seventh.
1: <laughs> how did you get a podcast? Oh, how did you, I don't know. How did I get one, Doug?
2: I downloaded a free app. Bam! There it was.
1: Yeah. Anybody and their brother can do this shit, but it takes a special breed to do it consistently and qualitatively, if that's even a word two and a half years. Here we go, I think it is now. You
2: just made it work.
1: And we're going to keep going. Yeah, Let's brush right over that in my linguistic skills. And just thank everybody for listening. And look, head over to TLGpodcast.com for more. You can also listen to the latest episode of the Dallas Action on TLG Podcast. Just click the link in the tab. That's all you got to do. It'll open up a little player and you can listen to the latest episode. But for all the episodes... Remember, guys. Yeah. Remember.
2: Remember when you're you know, less arguing. Um, when you do like Rob would do uh, with this material, the more you need to thinkify more. Brainificate—that's
1: what you need. To do. <laughs> what are you trying to say? I'm like W. Liberty
2: Lobby.
1: <laughs> Don't make me say it. Liberty Lobby. I'm
2: not There you go. You did it again. <laughs> All uh, right. Bob. Uh, talk us out.
1: All right, people. Like I back. said, tlgpodcast.com for more. Listen. Share the show. We love you. Till next time. Thank you, Doug. You're welcome, sir. The bitches in the can beaming up the satellite down directly to your ears, people. This is your boy and your other boy. Peace.